It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. My goodness. Daniel Menzel, what an incredible weekend of local footy. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. I feel like on this Wednesday afternoon, we need to take a breather because it was chaotic to say the least. I'm looking forward to your power rankings. Everything happened. The women's grand final was controversial at Prospect on Sunday. I was there. Oh, good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> good afternoon, Walsh. You're spot on. What a weekend of footy it was. In the men's competition, there was some incredible results that there's no way anyone would have predicted what happened on the weekend in round nine. But uh, the women's grand final, you said uh, you mentioned it, you were there, you did the presentations. Uh, Central Districts, they led for all of 19 seconds in the game and won the premiership. What an incredible finish, a somewhat controversial finish, but mm. um, they were coming and they they were deserved. If we go through some of the stats, they won the inside 50s, 31 to 16, and the clearances 33 to 21. So they probably were the better team on the day. And a huge congratulations to Central Districts Women's Football Club. That is their first finals appearance and a grand final win. Yeah, it was Amazing to watch and to be a part of for a couple of reasons. So first of all, the things that I was learning to understand about the Host Plus Sandford Women's League is the quarters are capped at 20 minutes. So the siren is going to sound at the 20-minute mark no matter what. That is a great point you make. Continue. Yes, and... A few things happened. So in that first quarter, Central's had an injury and the clock doesn't stop. So this, I think this could be used as a tactical advantage for, for the coaches that are uh, having their teams representing their clubs in the matches. Um, it was all purely based on we needed to jump out of timing for broadcast at a particular time as well. So there was lots of external factors which contributed to the result. Then we get to that last quarter and... I had a look at the scoreboard and I thought, wow, Centrals have been really inaccurate and they probably will be ruining the chances that they missed. Then it got into that final minute where the ball was inside their forward 50 at the southern end of Prospect and I saw the umpire make a call and the crowd were going a little bit crazy. The Doggies fans outnumbered the Panthers fans there. At that point... Not only did I not know what the free kick was for, but before I understood what the free kick was for, a 25-metre penalty was paid then the goal was kicked and the siren sounded before the ball went back to the middle. And I'm like, what is happening? Because I have a piece of paper in yes, front of me for yes. the, the post-match presentation with a script that says, congratulations to the 2023 Host Plus Sandful Women's League Premiers. I had almost crossed out centrals because I thought South were going to win. And then it just all happened straight away. So... It was exhausting. It absolutely was. It was uh, remember back in the day, it probably was five or 10 years ago in the AFL when they used to do the Norm Smith medal votes five minutes before the game finished. Yep. And you would have a player from the opposition team uh, occasionally win the, win the medal. Nathan Buckley did against Brisbane famously. That would have been an example here if that's exactly what you're talking about because what we're speaking about is Caitlin T got a free kick. She was running through the contest. It was a boundary throw-in and – 
She ran through the contest. She got a slight tug of the Guernsey. Now, to the letter of the law and the umpire's eye, there was a tug of the Guernsey. That's why it was paid. It was not a lot in it, but it was paid off the back of that. Then there was, I believe, a bit of dissent to the umpire. That's what it looks like, yeah. um, Which is why a 25-meter was paid. And so it meant that Caitlin Teague then had the ball. He was having a shot from roughly 15 to 20 out. She then was able to have a shot from the goal line. Now, she... she explained after the game that she was just so excited that she just kicked the ball and went through and, and had a shot from actually outside the goal square. She which, did, and I, I oh saw her God. running in thinking, you need to stop because yep. you might miss this. So that is the thing. You can miss a goal from outside the goal square. You shouldn't, but you can. You almost It's almost impossible to miss a goal from two metres out. I even looked at the way she was holding the yes. ball. She yep. was in such a panic. It was, it was excitement. It was panic. It was adrenaline that got to her, but she finished the job, which is credit to her. But I also, in watching her, thought there is still 20 or 30 seconds left Imagine if they got the ball back to the middle of the ground, threw it up, free kick was paid, 25 was paid, South Adelaide has a shot. So she could have run the clock down all the way, but as she explained, the adrenaline got to her. Credit to her, she finished the goal. The ball didn't even get back to the middle before the siren went. Uh, Central Districts, congratulations. Uh, they had 127 tackles in the game. They, yeah. They were incredible. Shelby Smith had 17 tackles. We spoke with her last week, the skipper of Central, seven clearances and 20 touches. That's why she was a judge the best on ground. Um, there were some other. Wendell and Teague and Grigg were all good, and Boyle and Couch for South were good. But uh, I think the Sample has to be happy with that as a result for the Sample Women's Grand Final. And the turnout as well. Three, more yeah, 3, almost thousand. almost 3,500. I was standing at the, the western side in between both interchanges and watching the faces of both of the team's representatives. You could see... The South players at that point were just hoping that the time would run down before the goal was kicked. And then the stress of the players from Central's turned into absolute elation. Um, I need to touch on the umpiring decision because this went crazy on social media straight afterwards. And a lot of people weren't sure what was happening. And you, you have a look at the replay and the things that you said there, men's, I really like. So you said there was a slight tug of the Guernsey and the umpire needed to call it in regards to the letter of the law. I think when it comes to a grand final, <laughs> yes, there is theater. Yes. There's the, the feeling of the game and some other suggestions of, uh, no, you can't call that in a grand final. As you said, according to the letter of the law, the umpire made the right decision. So, um, Whatever happens outside of that, it's a challenging thing because, yes, the free kick was given and the goal was kicked. But if the free kick wasn't given and South ended up winning, then Centrals would be feeling that the umpire didn't pay the free kick. So the umpire doesn't win in that situation. No, it's a terrible situation to be in as an umpire. And I think that umpires know and they they don't want to be the one who makes that decision that ultimately decides a grand final. And so I think that they do put the whistle at times. I mean, the Denver Nuggets won the NBA finals yesterday. And you think about it, if that was decided with a foul call of someone shooting a three-point shot, almost like Jimmy Butler did in the first quarter. Yeah. And you go, are you really calling that in in the championship series? Like, So that, I think they are pretty good at understanding. But as I said, yeah, the tug was there. So the umpire sees that and says, that's, that's the rule. I've got to pay it. I know a lot of people don't love it. But um, they were coming, and uh, it's credit to them. They, they absolutely dominated South Adelaide in that second half. They had the ball inside 50 almost twice as much in, the, in that game. So it is a well-deserved win for Central Districts. Both teams were in a bit of shock. Um, I think it's really important that we give credit to Bree Cleggett, the captain of South Adelaide. The way that she spoke at the end of the game after what was really challenging, you have a look around at the players and um, if you've been part of a a losing grand final before, you know that they're never fun. You try to hold your emotions together, but she was so respectful and we spoke to her last week on the show alongside Shelby, who was equally as brilliant in her speech. But um, I feel that when you have a moment to be grateful that you got to play in a grand final and show credit to your opposition, 
She was outstanding. And I think it's it's times like that that bring out the best in people, especially through these challenges. And South Adelaide have got a really good skipper there. They really do. In one of the most challenging situations, not just lost the grand final, but we were still sitting there going, how have we not won that grand final? That, that's not fair. We were up for the whole game. They hit the lead at the three minute and 43 second mark of the first term. And they didn't give it up until the 20 seconds to go in the game. So mm. respectful is the word you use. I think that's spot on. Well done, Brie Claggett. What a massive weekend of footy fierce rivalry. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandfall League. Let's get into our week in review. Writing your performance review. It says more about me than you. It's morally defeating and often misleading. But this is the best we can do. So here we go. So, men's, we've spoken about the Host Plus Sandfall Women's League Grand Final um, over to the men's competition for round nine. A lot happened. I almost had to delete and reinstall my Sandfall app just to check those scores were correct because everything happened that we didn't predict. <laughs> it really did. We'll, we'll start with the Saturday games and we'll start with Adelaide Oval where the Adelaide Football Club were too good for my Eagles. 13 goals, 17, 95 to 11, 6, 72. The players that the Crows had at their disposal, their starting midfield was Schoenberg, Crouch, Haightley, and Strawn. They are a very good team. They're an even better team at Adelaide Oval. They were inaccurate. If they had it kicked straighter, they would have won by more. They are rolling, just as uh, West Adelaide are rolling at the moment as well. A really, really impressive win over North Adelaide. They kept them goalless in the second half to win by 29 points. Uh, now... We are just talking about you for a moment. You kicked another couple of nice little goals there. What's it like kicking goals at Adelaide? Are we getting very comfortable with that? Uh, it is special. It is um, it is when you get to play at grounds uh, that are, I guess, some of the best grounds in the world. Uh, you don't take that for granted, and um, you certainly do. There's the big screen there, but no, it's it's got that little bit more of a special feel about it, and the opportunity to play at Adelaide Oval um, to – Anyone at the sample, play as many games there as you can for your standalone clubs because those players absolutely love it. Okay, so before we talk about the Westies North, James Rowe, do you think he'd be leading or if not be in the top three for the McGarry at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think he would be very close. The only thing that might cost him is that the Eagles have won four and lost five games. Mm-hmm. So it might be uh, off the back of that. But in saying that, I think that the McGarry was, would have actually bunched up because I don't think anyone's really run away with it. So it's a good call. Okay, so North Adelaide go down to Westies in a, a really low-scoring performance from the Roosters. Um, South lose to Norwood for Norwood's first win of the season. And then Sturton Glenelg... Going for 10K at the Bay, which they're trying to raise as much money as possible, and over 7,000 people there, which is absolutely brilliant on the King's birthday. Um, They had a surprise victory too. I love this about the competition because you go into every round not knowing what to expect. And and I didn't think Sturt would lose a game, but to see Glenelg not just win, but win by... 105 points is outstanding. <laughs> it is outstanding. It's incredible. And you're right. In terms of refreshing the sample up, it didn't seem like what was happening was real because Glenelg didn't only – it's not like they blew them away in one quarter and they kicked 10 or 11 goals in one quarter and Sturt just couldn't stop it. Glenelg kicked seven goals in the first quarter, seven in the second and seven in the third. It was as dominant as a performance as you'll see this season. Sturt coming into this game had won eight games in a row. Glenelg had won seven in a row. So – a top-of-the-table clash. No one expected to see uh, this 105-point win by Glenelg, but it is ultra-impressive, and um, it will feature in something that I did very much like on the weekend. Yes, and I'm looking forward to your power ranking because they are definitely going to change. Let's find out what Dan Menzel liked.
how can you not like what Glenelg did on the weekend? But I want to be specific here and talk about one player, and that is Matt Allen. Now, this guy could easily be on an AFL list. Uh, he is an elite wingman and has probably been the dominant wingman in the sample competition now since he came back from West Coast in 2020. His stat line from the weekend was 26 touches, 12 marks, and six goals, and he plays on a wing. <sighs> I don't think there Six will be... Six one, I think. It's, a, it's amazing. I don't think there will be a better individual performance this season. There hasn't been so far, and I don't think there will be for the rest of the year. Yeah, that it's is, five inside 50s as well. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Sturt winger, you wouldn't yes. love going into the club this week. But um, uh, that is a incredible stat line for a mid, for an inside mid or even a forward to kick six. But from a wing, uh, Matt Allen, he is an absolute gun. A scary performance considering um, the Bays kept Sturt to 45. So defensively, they were brilliant. Attacking, they kicked 23 goals, 12, what, 35 scoring shots? Scary because not only keeping Sturt to 45 points this week, before this week they were the number one defense in the comp as well. They are going so well at the moment. We are liking the Bays. Let's find out what you didn't like. Hey, I feel for the South Adelaide fans at the moment. The late free kick went against them in the women's comp, which we have touched on uh, previously in the show. But um, what they're getting from their men's team at the moment is inconsistency, and it's really disappointing. So they lost to Sturt a fortnight ago by under a goal, and then they beat North last weekend, and you thought maybe they've turned their season around. They're ready to launch and really contend for the finals this season only to be 67 to 10 down at three-quarter time against the Red Legs, against the 0-8 Red Legs at home. If you're going to that game, you're going, we will beat Norwood. They are going far worse than we are, and we're we're on the right track. And you look at the scoreboard at three-quarter time, and you go, it is 67, and we've kicked 10 points. We've kicked one goal to three-quarter time. Now, they did kick seven goals in the last quarter to make it a game and make it look a little bit closer, but they were blown out in this game. Uh, disappointing. They are currently sitting ninth on the table, three and six. Uh, they've won one out of their last five. We'll get into a full-round preview a little bit later on. On the Sandful Show, fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. We'll also catch up with the captain of the Redlegs, who are on a one-game winning streak because they've won one game for the season. But it could kickstart their campaign. You never know what could happen. Matt Nunn's going to join us. But next, we will speak to the head of Sandful Football Operations, Sean Tui on SENSA. It's the Sandful Show. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. Been a massive round of football and a massive 2023 of the Host Plus Sandful League. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League. Jared Walsh and Dan Mendel here on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's get a little bit of a mid-season review by someone at the Sandful. That is their head of football operations. We say good afternoon to you, Sean Tui, after a very big, confusing, but exciting weekend of football in the men's and women's competition. <laughs> G'day, Walshie. G'day, men. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a massive weekend, wasn't it, on both fronts. Um, rounded out our women's season in spectacular fashion, I think everyone would agree. And um, obviously, Central's landed on the right side of the ledger there and then finished off with a, a massive uh, King's Birthday Monday, um, particularly down the bay with such a big crowd and a pretty big result as well. So 
Yeah, huge weekend. Sean, before I hand it over to Menz, I wanted you to just give us a bit of an insight into the preparation that went into the women's grand final at Prospect on Sunday, because I know it was a real focus of the Sandfall to make sure the women had a platform to feel celebrated. And just like the men do at Adelaide Oval um, in the last game of the year in September, for the women to have over 3,500 people there or close enough to to have a full anthem ceremony and everything that they should have, um, the work from the Sandful behind the scenes was paramount. So I'm sure you're proud of your team. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think you know a lot, go, a lot of credit goes to our events and um, marketing team for, for the way that they sort of elevated the platform of the women's grand final. Um, you know, it's, it's ticketed now as well, women's finals right throughout. And so that just shows, you know, that the appetite is there. People are paying to come and watch that. And to get 3,000, just, just shy of 3,500 um, was a great result. You know, and that's, that's about 800 up on, on last year. So it's building every year. I think the product is improving every year. And that was evidenced by such a great game on the weekend. Sean, I couldn't agree more. I think the product is enhanced every season and it's great to see. And the grand final on the weekend at Prospect, a great spectacle. Is there a potential moving forward? It is really difficult with scheduling and having played at Adelaide Oval on the weekend, it's pretty special. Is there a potential for the women's grand final to be at Adelaide Oval in coming seasons? It's a good question, men's. Um, it's not something that I'd completely discount, but I think... Um, the, I think everyone would agree that the atmosphere at Prospect on the weekend, with with three thousand, nearly three thousand three hundred there, was um, was excellent. And you maybe lose a little bit of that in such a big stadium at Adelaide Oval. Um, so it, it, it depends on the situation and if it can be combined with something else or or whatnot or what the appetite is. But I think for for where it's at now, I think that the sample club grounds having a neutral ground. Um, allowing one of our clubs to really put on a show, which I think North Adelaide did a great job uh, with the new screen and everything else as well. So I think that's where it's at for now, but I wouldn't discount it completely in the future for sure. That's a really good point, the atmosphere at a local footy ground and what that brings. Uh, The other one I want to ask you around Adelaide Oval is the state game this year. We saw a really successful game and another great win for South Australia. The the time slot is one that uh, people talk about in terms of do you put it as a standalone game at Adelaide Oval where you can get maximal fans, I guess, that are there and available rather than your curtain raiser, which is at uh, 3pm on a Friday? Yeah, that's, that was obviously a conundrum and well, well publicised this year that, that, uh, that we faced. I, I guess the, the issue we had there was some um, scheduling through Adelaide Oval and dealing with them and, and Hoffie and his grand staff who had such a packed schedule with the the rugby and AFL games bookended by that coming up and you know, had, had a turf maintenance schedule where they, that if we were going to use Adelaide Oval on that weekend, it had to be on the same day as the AFL game. So we were sort of restricted to that. So it's a, one, it's a one-off. Um, we're really mindful of that moving forward. And um, if, it, if it can't be, um, you know, a, a time slot that I, I guess the broader public can, can get to, uh, then we have to really look at the standalone option and, um, and how it looks into the future. Sean, you must be happy with the, the crowds this year, but also these big festivals of footy that we are having, including at Stratarama on Monday with over 7,000 people there. I, I really feel that lots of people are turning back to local footy and getting involved in their local clubs, which only means good things for the Sandful and also for grassroots football across South Australia. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's been evidenced in our crowd figures now. We're not naive to think they might drop off a little bit through the colder months, but so far you know, we're averaging well above uh, where we are at this time last year with our, with our crowds and attendances. So, you know, the game's in a really good spot. People are wanting to go and watch it. 
Um, there's good numbers. I mean, I think there's good numbers at all levels of sport at the moment, and that's being evidenced um, at the AFL with it, with our two AFL teams doing quite well at the moment. But yeah, Central Footy's in a really good spot, and people are enjoying it and getting around it. And um, I think that the standard of our competition and some of the players that we have running around is um, is what attracts people to go and watch it. And you know, some of the stars that run around and I mean, obviously it wasn't a great day for Sturt on Monday, but some of those players running around for Glenelg and the level of skill and um, that they displayed on the weekend was, was a really high level of football. And, um, you know, it's, it's really good to see. So even though, as you mentioned, the Sturt fans wouldn't be happy, the North fans wouldn't be happy, the Eagles fans from the weekend, Centrals and South, are you happy at Sandful with the evenness of the competition? So every game that... You go to, you watch, or you listen on SENSA, you actually don't know what the result's going to be. So it means you're more than likely going to get a good contest no matter what game you choose to attend. Yeah, that's exactly um, what, what we're up to, I think, the, the evenness of the comp- competition, knowing you can go into any game and, and you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You know, We've seen that with West Adelaide this year, really taking it up to probably some more fancy roles uh, at the start of the year. Norwood hadn't won a game until this weekend and you know, South had probably started hitting a little bit of form and then they go down there and, and get the jump on South and um, albeit South came home pretty hard but Norwood held on and, and recorded their first win for the year. So um, I think, and having spoken to the, the AFL and their, you know, with their data insights more recently, I think close games of football is what keeps people interested and that's what we've got to continue to strive for, a really even strong competition where um, everyone's a chance to compete on any given day. So just further on that, Shawnee, with the standard of the competition, the health of the Crows and the Port sides at the moment is elite, and it's meaning that they are competing at an extremely high level, which I believe is great for the competition. I know a lot of Sample fans uh, might not necessarily agree, but surely a healthy and strong Port Adelaide and Adelaide helps this competition. Yeah, I'm, I'm in your corner with that, Dan, um, and you would have seen it on the weekend. You know, I, thought, I thought you guys played exceptionally well on the weekend, and you know, obviously um, the Crows just got over the line late in the game, but I think it elevates our Sandfuls standalone club players to another level to, to have to compete with the AFL listed players, especially, like to say, when they um, are pretty healthy and, and have a bit of depth. So um, I think it's a really good thing for our competition. It, it, um, it elevates the standard and, um, you know, our players strive to compete for that. They're, they're pretty proud footballers, our, our footballers, and they, and they want to compete with the best and take them on and challenge themselves. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a really good thing for the game. And just before we let you go, we know you are pressed for time this afternoon. Um, what can you offer advice-wise to the local footy fans who are interested in heading out over the next couple of weeks to see a game? Obviously, with the AFL, um, local teams have a bye over the next few rounds. So what can we look forward to over the second half of the Host Plus Sandful men's league season? Well, I think you can expect to go out and see a really high standard of football. A lot of a lot of stars running around, uh, a lot of young stars running around also, but also the next AFL list of players like the man sitting next to you. But I think, as we've just spoken about, the uncertainty, knowing you're going to a game where you don't know who's going to win, you don't know what the result will be, um, you don't know if it'll be you know, a blowout with second knocking off first by 100-plus points or, or a one-point ball game you know, between the top team and the bottom team. So I think that's a real strength of our competition at the moment, and um, you know, it, it all goes well for the second half of the year and then heading into finals, really not knowing who's going to be there and, and what the outcome will be. It's very exciting. Sean, thanks so much for your time on SENSA. 
Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. The Thanks, crowds Johnny. have been really good, men. And what's it like from a player's point of view? Does that get you up even more when you can actually see the the fans arriving and the atmosphere getting up a little bit? I reckon the Central's fans, especially at Prospect on the weekend, would have lifted those players because of the noise. Like the and you, you played for Central's like that. You dogs going around yes. Prospect is massive. It's infectious. So what's it like to play with with crowds coming back to local footy? It's it is incredible. It, it definitely um, makes a difference and. It might sound funny or silly that it should make a difference, but it motivates you in terms of it just brings another level of I want to play this week. Um, like I said, they're playing at Adelaide Oval on the weekend. It doesn't mean that we all got up for that game and played any better than we normally would, but the excitement level is there. And so the natural enjoyment and fun and energy around the group is greater. Um, having played a couple of reserves games this year, when there's no crowd there, it's not a lot, a lot of fun. So it does make a difference. Um, and I really like what Shawnee said there about the AFL teams being really healthy. I know sample fans that go for your Eagles or your Norwood or someone else don't love when Port and Crows are going well, but his point was it elevates the sample standalone players' standards, which I completely agree with, which means the competition is better and it is healthy for the comp. You can look at it two ways too, because there's only – been one occasion when one of the teams has made a grand final, and that is Port Adelaide. And, and right never now, won. no, currently sitting on the ladder, Adelaide's in third position. They've had three losses, and Port Adelaide have only started winning games now, and they're sitting in sixth position. So, if they were both one and two and undefeated, that would be a different conversation. But just because you have some talented players on your list, it doesn't necessarily mean you are going to have that cohesion. I was speaking to a player um, last weekend at Adelaide Oval who wasn't featuring in the uh, Port Adelaide AFL side and he was playing for Port Adelaide and he said as a player that's listed by the AFL team some, sometimes it's actually quite challenging to go and play in the sandfall because the way that the teams are coached specifically to get you ready for AFL level so they're not going to be powerhouses. Yes, they've got brilliant players. However, you just spoke about Matty Allen. You speak about um, players like Tom Lewis at Sturt. Every player has their star players. If you can work in a cohesive unit, you look at Norwood last year, they win the grand final. They didn't beat Port Adelaide. They didn't beat Adelaide. 100%. There is so many good players around it, uh, all the different standalone clubs. And, they have the benefit of training together throughout the whole preseason yeah. and playing together. And as you mentioned, perfect word, cohesion. They develop that and they come up against some very good players. And uh, we're going to speak with one of them next at Norwood Footy Club. We certainly are. After this, we're going to hear from the captain, Maddie Nunn. It is the Sample Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sample League on SENSA. On SENSA, welcome to the Sample Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League. Well, we are celebrating here on SENSA, Daniel Menzel. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League because it's taken a while, but Norwood get their first win of the season. And every week we've been saying, we just want Twiggy Rawlings to get a win. We just want Matty Nunn to lead a win. Finally, if they've done that with a, a good win over South Adelaide as well over the weekend. Uh, currently sitting one and eight at the moment, but we know anything can happen with a host plus Sandful League. As we say hello to Matthew Nunn. Nunny, congratulations, mate. I'm, I'm sure it's been a really strange season so far, but a bit of relief to get your first win out of the way. Yeah, great fellas. Thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, relief is definitely the word that um, is, is used there because... Uh, yeah, we didn't expect to be in this situation, so it's nice to get one on the board and, um, yeah, pretty happy about it. Nani, thanks for joining us. Uh, before we move on to this year, I just want to touch on last season. It's one hell of an achievement. You're a premiership captain now in the Sandful. Have you been able to reflect much on that over the past six months? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, I guess, a little bit tainted in the last sort of three or four months with the losses, but um, luckily for me, I was able to sort of really enjoy the 
um, I guess, it's three or four months after it and get to go away and really soak it in. Because as you know, man, like when you win one, it goes pretty quick um, and you kind of forget the moment and, and sort of, yeah, you're in the moment really quickly and it's gone before you know it. So, um, yeah, I was really able to enjoy it with some family and friends and, and we got some really good memories out of it with some good footage that the club was able to um, put together for us. And, uh, yeah, it was a really special moment. Yeah, absolutely, they are special moments and it was an incredible way for Norwood to win it last year. So as we move to 2023, the 0-8 start to the season, is there one major factor for that, I guess, reasoning um, in terms of not winning a game until the weekend? Yeah, it's a tricky one because obviously, and, and you know, man, the league's so tight um, and I think we just sort of came into the year probably expecting to um, have things fall our way again and it's not that we lost many players or anything like that. We've had a pretty horrible run with injuries, but um, yeah, as I said earlier, I think it's just the league's really tight and um, we had some really bad losses early days, which probably dented our confidence a little bit. Um, and I guess last year, the reason why we were so good was because of that cohesion and, and really gelling off each other. Um, and I think we just, yeah, a little bit off with our structures and, and a bit of contest footy that we're normally known for. So, and when those things are off for us, it generally um, doesn't really go our way during the game. So, um, yeah, there was nothing behind closed doors or anything like that that was going wrong because um, obviously, you know, we had such a successful year last year. And I think, yeah, we just sort of took the foot off the pedal for the first couple of weeks and that sort of set us up for the next few losses. But I feel like other than um, the first three rounds, we've been in every single game other than uh, probably the Bay. So, yeah, we've had a sniff to win a lot more than one. But, yeah, luckily we just got over the line on the weekend and um, was able to register one. That seems like a pretty honest assessment, though, Nunny, and I'm glad you said it, that you, you may have taken the foot off the pedal the first couple of weeks. And, men's you've you've come off the back of playing a premiership the year before as well. Does that actually exist in the players' minds sometimes? You might not necessarily think about the foot coming off the pedal, but it's a reflective thing where you obviously start a little bit later and then your mentality of, oh, it might just click. And before you know it, you, you're sitting where you are on the table. So I feel that that's a consistent thing with a lot of teams who have won premierships. You come back into pre-season and you're on, still on a bit of a high, then you realise, oh, yeah, like people forget pretty quickly, you know, the result and they move on to the next year. So um, I guess that was, yeah, part of it. It wasn't entirely why we were losing, I think. We just sort of didn't play to our strengths. But, yeah, there was a fair bit of, I reckon, in the first three weeks especially, just, yeah, foot off the pedal and thinking it was probably just going to happen for us again. Whereas compared to last year, we were a powerhouse because, you know, when teams were coming up against us, um, they knew what they were going to get and uh, really played to our strengths. And I think that was why the reason we won the fight was because, yeah, we didn't really care who we were versing or who was in the team. We just played to our strengths. And um, I guess the first three weeks when you sort of don't have that go your way, it dents your confidence a fair bit. And, but now that we've had a win on the board in the last few weeks before that have been pretty positive, um, the vibes around the club have still been really good. So, yeah, hopefully get a couple more. So, Nunny, as the skipper of the group, you talked about the confidence in the group. How do you balance the frustrations of the group, of yourself, how you're going, uh, where the team's at? How challenging has that been for you this season? Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. and I guess it's good, good learning for me because I've been in Norwood for a long time and obviously mostly successful teams, um, you know, never really at the bottom end of the ladder. So, you know, I think there's only been one or two years out of my whole senior career of 10 years when we haven't made the final. So, it's always been pretty successful. So I think the biggest challenge was just, yeah, making sure that everyone's still coming to training motivated and, and wanting to get better because the results will come if you've got that mindset. And so that was probably the biggest challenge, just making sure that everyone was still on the same page and was coming to training and, you know, wanting to be there, not that it was a chore. Um, and I don't think we had any issues with that. It was just sort of, yeah, making sure players were really sort of coming to training with the right mindset um, and making sure that, 
you know, can you get better in some areas that you probably took the foot off the pedal thinking that it might just happen again. So I think our leadership group is really strong as well. And we've, we rallied really well throughout this period. And obviously it's not something that you want to be a part of, but things happen in footy, you know, we're not the last team to go through something like this, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, it's just about sticking tough and, and strong leadership will prevail. And you spe- spoke about the evenness of the competition. The, with a win over South Adelaide on the weekend, uh, it seems bizarre, but you're one and eight. You're only three games out of fourth position. So is finals still the goal this season for the Norwood Footy Club? Oh, 100%. I mean, everyone sees the ladder as it is. And um, as you know, men's it's just a bloody... <laughs> it's tough going at the moment because <laughs> you come against a team who might have knock someone off the week before and then um, they don't show up and yeah it seems like it's an easy win and then you know then you don't show up and then they get over you so um i think for us we've we've never counted ourselves out because um apart like i said apart from the first three games where we were absolutely nowhere um i thought we really played to our strengths and just didn't get the chocolates on the day so i think basically if we can get a couple more wins in a row really get the vibes going again and you know the boys learning how to win again you know it was just Getting a win on the weekend almost felt foreign. Like it was, it was that nice to get one after eight weeks. So um, I think now that we've tasted that again, the boys will be pretty charged up to, to get a few more. And my finals is never out of the question um, unless, yeah, unless it's physically not possible to make it. So um, hopefully we can get a couple more big wins and, and sneak in the five. Nani, I'm sick and tired of talking about depressing stuff with you because you're an upbeat guy and I'm really emotional now. So let's talk about the positive stuff. Some of the players that you've <laughs> loved seeing this season and um, how much you rate yourselves a chance against um, Port Adelaide this weekend because it's a very winnable game. Yeah, you know me, Walsh. I like all the, the good stuff, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, I think I mean, a, lot, a lot of good things around our club this year has just been some new faces and, and young kids coming through. Like We've had a fair few long-term injuries pop up, which obviously is not good, but gives a chance for new guys to, to pop up and, and really sort of, um, I guess, demand a spot in the team. Like Brody Carr, one of our premiership players, but he's really sort of cemented his spot this year as a really good player for us, um, which is just exciting to see some juniors coming through and, and really, you know, meaning a lot to them playing there. Um, and then against the Maggies this week, I think we we generally deserve to win the game. We both them last time, I believe, that we just choked in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes uh, with some poor errors. So, yeah, it's always a good rivalry against them every time we play them. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully getting the chocolates on them on Sunday. And Nunny, you t- spoke about a couple of players coming in. Matt Ling was very good on the weekend, had 25 disposals. I spent a year with him at Sydney. He would no doubt be great for the group. And just wanted to know where Jackson Callow is at with his injury as well. Yeah, it's great for Lingy. I, I, and you'd know him, man. He's a great fella. He's such a kind bloke. Um, great for a football club. And unfortunately, he just wasn't really finding his feet the first four or five weeks. And that happens a fair bit in the SFL. A lot of guys come over and probably don't realise how strong the competition is or just take a little bit of time to adjust to it. So that's that's pretty normal for that to happen. And then on the weekend, we decided to shift into half-back and he honestly dominated the game and had one of his best performances of the year, and, and which was really exciting to see because I knew what he was capable of. And just to see him do that was really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, Jackson Keller, he's had a bit of an interrupted pre-season and season so far. He obviously um, had surgery late last year. Then he came back, had a really strong run at it, and then came back in the team. And then, unfortunately, re-aggravated that ankle and then, um, yeah, required a bit more surgery on it. So he's a little bit off still, but probably a couple of weeks till he starts looking at, yeah, trying to get some games in. So, um, yeah, it's just been unfortunate with some of our um, junior players coming off AFL list that have been injured. So it would be nice to get a few of them back pretty soon. Now, Walshie, Nunny, like myself, is a Liverpool man. Uh, we've just seen Man City win the treble. <laughs> oh, no. Are we going to bounce back next season? Yeah, I hate Man City. Uh, my, <laughs> my, housemate, my housemate goes to them and he's a diehard. Um, oh, no. So I hear about it all the time. So... 
Um, yeah, I'd, we need the treble next year. We need something at least, men's, because we were no good this year. We so, weren't. Um, a bit like us early days. So it would be nice to have <laughs> Liverpool show up show up next season and, uh, yeah, get it going a bit. Well, good luck to Liverpool. Good luck to Norwood. Good luck to you, Maddie. Now, we appreciate your openness as well, mate. We know it's a challenging time for the club, but um, they are certainly in good hands with yourself and Twiggy Rawling. So thanks for chatting to us on SENSA. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nani. Uh, he's a ripper as well. One of the nicest guys of footy, which is fantastic. One of those players, I'm sure, that you like playing against, but you love to play alongside as well, men's. Yeah, I got the. Uh, I was fortunate to play state footy with him last yeah. year, and just before that state program started, uh, we played Norwood, and I was a little bit late into a contest, and Nani come up and remonstrated with me and had a go at me, and we sort of had to go back. And I remember leaving the ground and going, I'm not sure about Matt Nunn, and he thought the same thing about me. And then yeah. I saw him a couple of weeks later at state training, and we had a chat after we won the state game. And I went up to him and I said, mate, I wasn't sure about you six weeks ago, but you're the greatest bloke. And he goes, mate, same. I actually thought see, the same thing see, about you. Did we just become best friends <laughs> that you said to one another? Um, thank you very much to Nunny once again. Fierce rivalries, nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. We have time to sneak in your power rankings next, Dan Menzel. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries, nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. Running out of time, Dan Menzel. It's been a massive show too. If you want to hear our chats with Norwood captain Matt Nunn and Sean Tui, you can listen to the podcast. Let's get into your power rankings. All right. I'm looking forward to this. What do you got? Well, at number 10, it's Norwood. They've got a win. So they are heading in the right direction, but they stay at number 10 for now. Okay, number nine in your power rankings, Dan Menzel. Now, I copped some flack for this last week. I moved these guys down four positions, and I could not have been more correct about <laughs> North Adelaide, who I've moved down again. They are ninth on our power rankings. They lost to West Adelaide by 29 points. They didn't kick a goal in the second half. They lost to South by 27, Glenelg by 57, and Adelaide by 47, all in the last month of footy. So... Who would have thought last year's grand finalists would be number oh, 10 no. and number 9 in the power rankings at the midway point? Good of the for the competition, though. That's all I'm going to say in number 8 on your power rankings. Uh, number 8, it's South Adelaide. I've moved them down a spot as well. After beating North last week, they were down against Norwood on the weekend at three-quarter time, 67 to 10. They are battling. Now, we've got a climber here at number 7. This is the highest West Adelaide have been on the rankings. They've moved up two spots. They are number seven because they are playing some really good footy. At number six on your power rankings, almost halfway through. Central's come up against a strong port side, so they stay at number six. And who's at number five? Port Adelaide are at number five. They were impressive on the weekend. Norwood away is a real opportunity for them to push into the top five. So they haven't moved. Has the team at number four moved up or down on your power rankings? No. Number four is the Eagles. They come up against a really strong Adelaide side on the weekend. So they stay at number four. Okay. See, this is what I've been looking forward to. Uh, Massive top three because we know that Adelaide's there. We know that Glenelg and Sturt are there. So who's sitting at number three? At number three, it is Sturt. That, oh! They have dropped two rankings in the power rankings. They've been number one for a long time. I've moved them down two, and it's not just because of their 105-point loss on the weekend. They just got over the line and have been patchy in the previous couple of weeks. They beat West by under a goal and South by under a kick, so it has been coming this form. Okay, so it leaves the Bays in Adelaide. Who's at number two? At number two is Adelaide. I've moved them up a spot. This team at Adelaide Oval is going to be as hard to beat as anyone. They were so impressive on the weekend with their AFL players dominating in that midfield, and they play Adelaide Oval so well. Okay, and that means the Bays are sitting at number one. Talk us through Glenelg. Glenelg have moved up one spot. They are now number one on the power rankings for the first time this season. Eight wins in a row, and what they did on Monday at the Bay was incredible. 
The hardest matchup in the sample at the moment by far is Glenelg at the Bay. I like it. I like it. I love your power rankings. I see the results. I look forward to it. Let's get into your tips. Forty tips don't improve my life one bit, and so I wonder why I do it. What is the benefit? I would say it makes my life worse. All right, men, just need your tips here. Split round, so only three games. Let's start on Saturday at X Convenience Oval, the Dan Mental Cup or the Troy Mental Cup or whatever you want to call it. It's the Doggies and the Eagles. You dogs, but the Eagles will win. It's also, is it the Ben Nason Cup as well? Did he play for the Eagles yes, and for the Doggies? Yes, he did. It's a go, great man. get, Walsh. It's a great throwback. Thank you so much. I saw him at the supermarket the other day. He didn't recognize me. I was really <laughs> flat. Uh, Norton Port Adelaide. Uh, Port are good at the moment, Port. And finally, the Double Blues and the Roosters. Sturt need to bounce back. So to North, but Sturt will win. Uh, it's been a good show. Love spending time with you. Enjoy the week, man. We'll catch you next week. Always a great show. What well I'm Walshie.